Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 23. We'll be there momentarily. Luke chapter 23. In just a moment, I'll start reading at verse uh, 33. Luke 23, verse 33. And uh, today we celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem on what we refer to it as Palm Sunday. And the reason that we refer to it as Palm Sunday is that as Jesus was entering in to Jerusalem uh, during Holy Week, that first time, that week before his crucifixion, uh, everybody was shouting Hosanna, just like we've sung today. We first song right out of the gate, Hosanna. And uh, we, it means that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and so they were shouting and they were singing and they were crying out. And then Jesus went in and went to the temple and saw that they were exchanging money there and people were profiting off of the sacrifices. So he cleansed the temple. He ran people out of the temple that were doing that. And then he preached and he taught in the temple that week. At the end of the week, Jesus was in Gethsemane. I've been there several times and he was arrested and he was taken before a mock court of the Jews where he was humiliated, spat upon, and uh, he claimed to be the Son of God, which obviously is. And then he was taken before Pilate, and uh, Pilate supposedly washed his hands and gave him over to the people, but they wanted him to be crucified. And then he was sentenced to death, and he went to Calvary, and he died on a cross. Now, why did he die? on a cross. And why did the early Christians use the symbol of a cross to tell people that they were Christians? Why a cross? If you were to look at people who claim to be Christians, many of them have jewelry and it's in the shape of a cross. I've preached at a lot of different churches I've gone to a lot of churches that over the baptistry or somewhere in the building, there will be a cross. And even if you fly over or if you're above a church that was built several years ago, you might even notice that from the top looking down, it's cruciform, which means it's shaped, the building itself is shaped like a cross. If you look at all that, you say, you know what? I don't know all that there is about Christianity, but I believe it has something to do with a cross. And it does. I want to talk to you today about what happened at the cross. Look there at Luke chapter 23, verse 33. When they came to the place called Golgotha, or the skull. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And by the way, you've got all mankind there. You've got the Savior in the middle. You've got one of those criminals who's going to die and go to hell from that cross. And you've got another one that gets saved on the cross. You've got all of mankind represented on the hill of Calvary right there. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, 
for they don't know what they're doing. They cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Jesus coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him said, rebuking him said, do you not even fear God, revere God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. That means high noon. Darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. That means 3 p.m. Because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent and all the crowds who came together for the spectacle when they observed what had happened began to return beating their breasts and all the acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance seeing these things father I pray that you'd bless this time speak to our hearts as we prepare to participate in the Lord's Supper Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And if that's your prayer, say amen. amen. Someone asked me today, how long have you been at Bellevue? I'm in my 17th year. And many of you have heard me preach over the years. Some of you, all 17 years. You know my normal way of preaching is to take a biblical text, to walk through it verse by verse, word by word, explain it, illustrate it, and apply it. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do a different way of preaching. It will still be biblical if you're the least bit concerned about that. But I'm not going to walk through the text I just read to you. Rather, I'm going to talk with you and answer a question for you. Why the cross? What happened at the cross? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Why couldn't he have just died some other way? Why did he have to shed his blood? Why did he die on a cross? And I want to give you, before we have the Lord's Supper, I want to give you four reasons. He had to die on a cross. 30,000 Jews died on a cross 
but only one died the way Jesus died on a cross. First thing is this, what happened at the cross? At the cross, scripture was fulfilled. The Old Testament prophets said, Messiah will die on a cross. Even before people died on a cross, the Old Testament prophesied that Messiah would die a bloody death on a cross. When you look at the Old Testament prophets, especially Isaiah, Messiah was referred to as a suffering servant. The Old Testament prophets painted a picture of Messiah, the Savior, who would die an atoning death, paying the sin debt of all mankind on a cross. Moses was one of the first of the prophets to write about the concept of substitutionary atonement. That is that someone would die and pay the penalty for your sins and that person was not guilty of your sins but they would die in your place so that you could be forgiven. Leviticus is an interesting book. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to read through because it's talking about all these sacrifices, peace offerings, all these other burnt offerings and everything else. But then all of a sudden will pop out a verse, and I don't know of a better verse to pop out than this verse about the Messiah who would shed his blood, and it explains why Jesus had to shed his blood so that you and I could be saved. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, God says. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Now the blood of animals could never forgive any sin. But every single sacrificial animal in the Old Testament pointed prophetically to the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross. He says here, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Jesus gave his life for us, but he had to do it by shedding blood. And the life of flesh is in the blood. Where is your life? It's in your blood. Scientists and doctors came up with that a few hundred years ago, but God said it thousands of years ago. Aren't you glad that science has caught up with God? Here you've got this man, Moses, writing and saying, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And now when you go to a doctor, one of the first things they do to check you out is to draw blood. I just had it done this last week. They draw blood. Why? The life is in the blood. And when you have life in the blood, when the blood is taken away, that means death. And he says here, I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. And what he's saying is, 
Jesus, the Messiah, would shed his blood. He would give his life up by shedding his blood to atone for your sins. The blood of animals never has forgiven one person, but the blood of the Lamb of God has forgiven millions of people from their sins. Jesus is the Lamb of God. All those animals were pointing toward Jesus and they were saying, there is coming a Lamb. There is coming a Messiah. There is coming a Savior. And He is the Son of God. And He will die on the cross and shed His blood. And in His blood there is life. Look at me. You'll never have eternal life until you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, praise Him for His blood. And the Old Testament Prophets also talked about Jesus' death on the cross. And vividly so, even before crucifixion was a form of capital punishment. If you can read Psalm 22 and understand that this was written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even in existence, it will blow your mind. You, how, how can you look at Psalm 22 and not believe in the prophetic voice of God pointing to Jesus dying on a cross? Listen, and have you ever heard these words in connection with Jesus' crucifixions? Psalm 22, verse 1. Everybody loves, by the way, before I read it, everybody loves Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, but you look at me. There would be no shepherd who is our Lord in Psalm 23 had there not been a sacrificial Lord in Psalm 22. If you don't have Psalm 22 with the suffering Savior, you don't have the shepherd as the Savior in Psalm 23. If you don't understand what I just said, I don't know how else to say it, all right? Psalm 22 made the way for Psalm 23, and here it is, my God my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, who said that on the cross? Jesus. And what was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. God took all of your sin, all of my sin, all the sin of every person ever to live, and laid it upon Jesus Christ, who had never ever sinned in his life, and he laid it upon him, and for a split moment, God the Father forsook the Son of God. There is a break in the Trinity, and the Father turns away because the Father is too holy to look upon sin, and Jesus didn't just bear your sin. The Bible says He became sin for you, and your sin literally took over momentarily so that Jesus could pay the penalty for your sin. And when Jesus became sin on your behalf, God put all the wrath of God on His Son and turned away at the same time so that you could go to heaven, so that you could have a relationship with God. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that God doesn't love you. He killed his own son in your place. Jesus died and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was temporarily forsaken so that you and I wouldn't have to be forsaken by God all through eternity in hell. Aren't you glad you don't have to go to hell because Jesus bore your hell on the cross? Amen? Amen. Now listen, this, this psalm is just incredible. It goes on to describe some of the graphic things that happen to Jesus while he's on the cross. 
I'll just read a few verses. Look at Psalm 22, verses 6 through 8. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. This is the Messiah talking now. But I am a worm, not a man, a reproach of men despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. Do you remember the people that laughed at Jesus while he was on the cross? They separate with the lip. <clears throat> they wag the head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him, the Lord, deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Isn't that what, exactly what they said? They mocked Jesus. They said, if you're really the son of God, come down from the cross. The people were heckling him. The psalmist also described crucifixion very vividly in verses 12 and following. The Bible says, many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They opened wide their mouth at me. That's the people that were taunting him while he was being crucified. As a ravening and a roaring lion, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. And that's exactly what happened when you get crucified. When they put you down in there and you're hanging there, your bones don't break, but they do come out of joint. And Jesus' bones came out of joint. But they never broke because the prophecy was not one bone would be broken, but it didn't say they wouldn't be pulled out of joint. That's a direct answer to prophecy. And then he says, my heart is like wax. It is melted within me. People who died on the cross usually died of some type of cardiological just eruption. The, the heart would explode. And that's what he's talking about here is my heart is like wax. It is melting within me because I'm panting on the cross. And then the Bible says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to its, in my jaws. Do you remember when Jesus said, I, I'm thirsty? That would happen because he was breathing so rapidly with his mouth that literally his tongue would stick to the top of his mouth. The Bible says, you lay me in the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. Now listen to this. They pierced, this is hundreds of years before he's crucified. They pierced my hands and my feet and I can count all my bones. They had beaten him. His side was literally open. His rib cage was open. You could see parts of his bones from where they had beaten him with the cat of nine tails. And then the Bible says here, his feet and his hands are pierced. Again, hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified. They look, they stare at me. Now listen to this. This was not written after the New Testament. This was written again before the New Testament. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. How many of you know that that's exactly what they did with Jesus? Now you just read, I just read to you verses that come out of the Old Testament prophecies. How can you look at that and say, Jesus is not the Messiah. Oh no, Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfilled exactly what the Bible said would happen to the Messiah on the cross. And if you're not a believer yet on that, let me give you one more thing. Jesus died on the cross to fulfill scripture. Now listen to this. This is the holy of holies in the whole Old Testament. To me, this is the John 3:16 of the Old Testament. It's in three verses all of Isaiah 53, but I'll give you the three primary verses 
Surely our griefs. This is too good for me to read by myself. Read it with me, would you please? Here we go. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Here it is now. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. How else can he say it? Hey, look at me. Jesus, when he was on the cross, all of your sin fell upon him. Every sinful, selfish word that you've ever spoken, every sinful thought you've ever had, every bad attitude that you've had. Did you know that you can have a bad attitude and that can be a sin? That's just the way I am. Yeah, I know, you're a sinner. And you break God's laws and you need forgiveness and so do I. Jesus is the only one who can give it because scripture was fulfilled in his death. He died as the Bible says, Messiah would die as the Lamb of God on a cross to take away the sins of the world. So at the cross, Scripture was fulfilled. Secondly, at the cross, Satan was defeated. Amen. Amen. We need more than three amens on that one. Amen. Amen. Jesus came to earth to defeat the power over the devil. Satan's power over this fallen world makes some people think that he's the ruler of the universe. I got news for you. He's just a little bitty ruler right now for a temporary part of time. But Jesus has already mastered him and there's no way that they are on the same level. One of the reasons that I believe Mormonism is a cult is because they teach, and don't tell me they don't do this, they teach that Satan and Jesus are brothers. I was listening to this one night. Don and I were downtown eating, and uh, we were sitting by some people. I wasn't trying to interfere with their meal. I wasn't trying. I really didn't want to. I was kind of tired. I wanted to be by myself and, and just with my wife. But I keep hearing, even with my bad ear, I kept hearing some really bad theology. And these three guys who were Obviously, I figured out they're Mormons. We're trying to witness to this other guy. And I listened to it for about 30 minutes. And I was like Popeye. I had all I could stand. <laughs> I couldn't stand no more. And so we're getting up. We paid the bill. And Donna just said, uh-oh. And she just kind of tucked. She saw that look, you know. She tucked her head. And, and I said, I want to say something to you, sir. These guys have been talking to you. I said, do you realize what they believe? And I just started talking about what they believe. I said, do you know that they believe that Jesus, and I said, y'all believe that Jesus and the devil were brothers, right? They said, yeah. I said, sir, you know what you need to do? You need to get, get, get up, get out, and run. Run. Now look at me. Some of you said, you didn't say that. Oh, I did. And when Mormons knock on your door, listen to me. 
Somebody that, that, that believes, I'm not mad at them. I love them, but I don't like their theology. I don't like them saying that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Look at me. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Satan is nowhere near on the same level of Jesus. Je look at me. Jesus is God in the flesh. Satan is just a, relatively speaking, he is a, an angel that was created by God and he went bad. Don't ever put the devil and Jesus. Look at me. I don't know how to say it. If you worship Satan, you are not worshiping a God. You are worshiping a fallen angel and you are worshiping a loser who has been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, how do you know he was defeated? Genesis 3.15. The first reference to the Messiah in the Bible. What had just happened? Satan had tempted Adam and Eve to sin and God shows up and God condemns Satan. And what did he say? I will, here it is, I will put enmity, he's talking to the devil, but this is God. And by the way, who's in charge here? God, not the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now, I just want to say this to you. Her seed, that's a biological impossibility. No, it is a biological impossibility except for God with all things God can, all, all things are possible for God. This is the first mention, I believe, prophetically of the virgin birth in the whole Bible. That's what the seed of woman is. Jesus is the seed of woman. And the Bible says, he, the seed of woman, shall bruise you on the head. How many of you know if you want to kill a snake, which he was a serpent here, how many of you know that you got to hit him on the head? Does anybody know that? You don't kill a snake by cutting his the end of his, tip of his tail off, all right? That just makes them mad, and they want to kill you, all right? Now you say, Brother Steve, do you have to be graphic? Yes, we have to kill a, kill a snake. You got to crush its head, all right? You got to cut its head off. That's the dangerous part, all right? You, cu you cut that off. And so what happened is he said, he is going to bruise you on the head. Now you're going to bruise him on the heel, but he's going to rise from the dead three days later after you bruise him on the heel, and he's going to crush your head. I got news for you. When Jesus died on the cross and Jesus came out of that empty tomb, Jesus crushed the head of Satan, and he is no longer able to hold you in his power. You can have power. You can have forgiveness. You can have everything you need, not through the devil, but through Jesus Christ, who has destroyed the works of the devil. And that's why Paul comes along in Romans chapter 16. I love this. Boy, Paul, he picked up on it in verse 20. He said, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Don't taunt the devil, but don't fear the devil. Don't taunt him. Don't challenge him. And I'm not challenging him. I'm just telling you right now. He knows he is a defeated foe. Amen. And if you're worshiping the devil today, you're worshiping a loser. Amen. Jesus Christ has defeated him on the cross and at the empty tomb. And he is cursed. And he is 
under the feet of Jesus. No wonder the Bible says that Jesus crushed Satan's power on the cross in Hebrews 2.14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he, Jesus, might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus rendered him powerless when he died on the cross. 1 John 3, eight, about as vivid as you can get on it. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Read the last part with me, good and strong, please. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's why all who worship Satan are wrongly doing so. Man, worship the one who defeated Satan. I love what Martin Luther said in his 16th century hymn, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can't endure, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fail him. Oh, my beloved brethren, I bring good news to you today at the cross, Satan was defeated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number three, at the cross, sin was atoned. Sin was atoned. At the cross, Jesus shed his blood to provide atonement, at one month, to bring us back to God for all who repent of their sins and believe in him savingly. I'll just give you a few verses. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, that's God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Jesus was delivered up on the cross for your sins and for mine. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? If God will give us his son, how will he not also give us food to eat, clothes to wear, a roof over our head? He'll give us our needs, not all our greed, but he'll meet our needs. But he started by giving us himself on the cross. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also died for sins. That's atonement. That's propitiation. Christ also died once for all to pay the penalty for our sins. The just for the unjust. We're the unjust. He's the just. We're the sinners. He's the sinless one so that he might bring us to God. You couldn't come to God on your own. You can't get to God how are you going to get to God? The only way you can get to God is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to bring you to God, to pull you out of the miry clay, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 1 John 2, 2 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. The Bible says he himself, Jesus himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but are you ready for this? But also for those of the whole world. Jesus, when he died on the cross, paid the penalty for every sin ever to be committed. And you can go free today. Your sins have already been paid for. Even if you're lost here today, I can walk up to a total stranger, look them in the eye and say, knowing that I know that it's true in the Bible, whoever they are, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you on the cross. Jesus died for your shed. He shed his blood for you. He's the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And 1 John 4, 10, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. I got news for you. I wasn't looking for God when God came looking for me. I didn't love God when God showed me he loved me. I was not doing right when God came after me. It says here, not that we loved God, but that he 
loved us. Say that with me. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why did he have to die on the cross? Because sin was atoned on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all of the day. Why? Why am I happy today? Why do I have joy today? Why do I have forgiveness today? Because Jesus went to an old rugged cross and atoned my Sin. Oh, brethren, today, before we have the Lord's Supper, just thank God that at the cross of Jesus Christ, all the Old Testament prophetic scripture that the Messiah would die as an atoning sacrifice, all that scripture was fulfilled. Satan was defeated at the cross. Sin is atoned at the cross. Without the cross, I have no forgiveness and neither do you. But with the cross, I have atonement in Christ. But there's one more thing at the cross. Salvation is provided. John 3, 16. Would you say it with me, please? It's got the cross in it. If you just look at it there, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How do I have salvation? God gave his son. And how did he give him? On the cross. On the cross. You can't be saved except through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what about Buddha? Buddha didn't die on a cross. What about Muhammad? Muhammad didn't die on a cross. What about Allah? Allah didn't die on a cross. What about confusion? I mean, Confucius. He didn't die on a cross as an atonement for your sin. He didn't rise from the dead. Jesus did. He's the only sinless one ever to live. He's the only sinless sacrifice ever to give his life for you on the cross and he was raised from the dead Acts 2:40 when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost he called for those people to be saved through Jesus with many other words he solemnly testified he kept on exhorting them saying be saved from this perverse generation he shed his blood on the cross he had to die on the cross and the bible says through Christ, you can have salvation. And when I get to this point and I offer you the gift of eternal life, I can always hear somebody out there saying in their minds what I was saying the night I got saved. You don't know what I've done, preacher. You don't realize what I've done. I'm so glad I'm able to say to you, no, I don't know what you've done, 
but I know what he's done. And what he's done is more powerful than what you've done. And his doings can evaporate all of your sinfulness in a split second. The Bible says, in fact, I want you to read it with me. Would you do that, please? Romans 10, 9 through 13. Read it with me, good and strong. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Say those last four words one more time. You will be saved. Not you might be saved. You will be saved. Okay, now go to verse 10. For the, with the heart a person believes. Read with me now. Resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, here it is now, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you believe that? Anybody? And that salvation comes through the cross. It's the cross. The cross is where God, sinless God and sinful man come together at the cross. You gotta come to a bloody cross to be saved. It may not look good to you. It looks beautiful to me. Not that I want him to die, but that he would die for a wretch like me. That he would shed his blood. And I say to you today, would you be free from your burden of sin? Aren't you tired of that burden? Sin is a burden. It's, it's, it's hard to carry it around. It, it just weighs you down all the time. It's always on your mind. Don't look now, but it, it's making you look older too. All right, I'm telling you. I'm just telling you, that sin will make you worry all the time. Let go of it. Roll it over on Jesus. Give your sin to Jesus. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's salvation already provided for you in the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me before we have the Lord's Supper? Man, if you don't know the Lord, What are you waiting on? A better time? There's no better time than right now, especially on Palm Sunday. We're talking about the cross. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about every sin abolished, radically taken away by Christ on the cross. We're talking about Jesus' blood washing away all your sins. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be forgiven? Don't you want to be right with God? Then come to Christ. Come to the cross. There, the prophetic Old Testament scriptures were fulfilled. There, 
Satan was defeated. There, sin was atoned. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And there, salvation is provided, but you have to receive it. How do I do that, preacher? First of all, you repent of your sin. You ask God to forgive you for your sin. Then you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead to give you eternal life. And then you receive him into your life and say, I call upon the name of the Lord. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and invite Christ to come into their life, they will be saved. Would you do that even now? There in the balcony on the main floor, watching online, would you pray and receive Christ right now? Aren't you tired of living without God? Aren't you tired of carrying your sins around? That's a heavy load. You were never built to carry your sin around, no. Jesus bore your sin on the cross. The penalty has been paid. You can go free today. You can be forgiven today. You say it sounds too good to be true. I know it does, but it's true. It's true. I wouldn't talk about the same thing for 45 years if it wasn't true. It's true. Give your heart to Jesus and be saved. How do I do it? You call on his name That's as you pray. And I could lead you in a prayer right now and if you mean what you say, you'll be saved.